0: I think we're really lucky to have this really unique relationship with these other space exploration companies to be helping us do what we want to do, which is explore the final frontier.
1: This is the Sciences Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sciences Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And today I'm excited to welcome back John Davidson. He is Director of Innovation and Education for Deerland. And first-time guest, John Deaton. He's Vice President of Science and Technology for Deerland. And we've spoken to Deerland before on our podcast, breaking down the science, consumer habits, and market behind probiotics. Today we're doing the same breakdown, but instead for prebiotics. It's a completely different ball game, even if they exist in the same sphere. So, John, John, welcome to the podcast, both of you. How are you doing today?
0: Very good, Daniel. Good morning. Thank you. It's doing great.
2: Looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to having both of your unique perspectives on this. You know, having someone on the education and innovation side of the industry, um, John Davidson. You know, you've got. 30-plus years of experience in the enzyme supplement industry, which is great. And then John Deaton being on the science and technology side of things. You've got a PhD in biochemistry, more than 15 years of experience um, with leads research and development of new product innovation for Deerland probiotics and enzymes. So you both have a plethora of great experience to break this down. So looking forward to getting your insight. So again, we're going to be doing a full breakdown on prebiotics specifically, and I think we need to start with a definition of prebiotics and really break down the science behind it to understand where it fits into this health ecosystem and what differentiates it from probiotics.
0: Basically, the difference between a prebiotic and a probiotic is that a probiotic is a a living organism, typically a bacteria, that when administered in adequate amounts will provide a health benefit to the host, which is the human host in this case. Um, and, and a prebiotic is typically looked at something that either feeds or helps modulate the uh, growth activity of those probiotic organisms. So it would be something in the food supply that's not digested and absorbed in the small intestines and it gets passed along to typically the colon where the vast majority of the bacteria or the probiotic organisms reside, and then it helps to selectively modulate the population, hopefully toward the good bacteria versus the unwanted bacteria.
2: Yeah, to John's point, uh, you have a lot of uh, bacteria that you're consuming every day, as as well as a host of microorganisms in the uh, digestive tract. And in order to really um, be able to do anything, to um, uh, be able to grow Uh, and uh, have an influence on the microbiome uh, bacteria needed an advantage and that's where prebiotics come in Um, it's very difficult for an organism that you're consuming like a probiotic uh, to uh, work its way in and and compete with um, trillions of other microorganisms that are already established and so for you're looking at uh, being able to provide uh, you need a basically a room and board uh, as well as food uh, in order to establish yourself. And that's where prebiotics can uh, play a huge role. Uh, it provides that space uh, or that uh, uh, nutrient um in various ways in order to be able to compete and establish itself and provide the benefits that John talked about to the human host.
1: I love that. So basically they... They interact because one is <laughs> building the literal home and stocking the fridge of the other. Uh, you know, they've they've got that nice, healthy relationship. That's right. So the whole conversation around probiotics and prebiotics has really evolved um, since y'all have been in the industry. How have y'all seen the customer conversation around prebiotics specifically change over the last 30 plus years? Um, has it evolved alongside the conversation of probiotics? Um you know, as probiotics enter the mainstream, did prebiotics as well, or has it taken a little longer to cement itself as something that's also
0: necessary for a healthy gut? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of change in consumer perception and uh, obviously the science associated with prebiotics and and how they impact the growth of the microorganisms in our gut, the the probiotics. Uh, In the beginning, I think prebiotics were viewed very narrowly and simplistically, maybe a little naively, that we think, well, if we just eat this certain type of a food source, uh, that it will cause this one set of organisms to grow at the expense of all the others. And I think it's a little more complex than that. We found now that uh, there's a lot more going on in there with different mechanisms of competition between all these different bacteria and these other organisms uh, in our guts. And it's not quite as simple as, oh, just eat this inulin or just eat this fructal oligosaccharide or some non digestible oligosaccharide, and, and all of a sudden your, your good bacteria are going to grow and the bad bacteria are just going to starve to death. Uh, they have alternate mechanisms of. Uh, metabolism that they can revert to. And there's th- something called you know, cross-feeding uh, where one organism actually metabolizes the substrate and it creates a food source for the other organism. So it's much more complicated than we originally conceived. And I think therefore the definition or the view of what a prebiotic is, has really had to expand to encompass all these different mechanisms. And it's going beyond just a, a, a selective food source now.
2: Yes, I, I do believe that uh, probiotics uh, were basically first out of the gate, especially in terms of uh, discovering uh, what they were and how they really impacted uh, the, the host. Um, and, but then, as John said, as more research is done in terms of um, not only identifying them and being able to provide them uh, in, in a way for uh, humans to consume, uh, but also once they're in there, how do they actually, how do you provide the environment for them to work? And it turns out it's not as simple as just consuming a probiotic uh, that you do. There's other factors at play, as John mentioned, especially the, the competition, and you need an edge. Um, and also to John's point, uh, that's where probiotics, you can see that the growth of probo- uh, prebiotics uh, are actually um, uh, rising faster now than probiotics. Obviously, probiotics is a much bigger um. Uh, uh, arena, area, uh, because it started earlier and had more focus on it, but now that uh, that's established and you know which ones you want, uh, prebiotics are, are uh, gaining a lot of attention uh, as ways to actually help proliferate and provide that benefit that the probiotic can, uh, uh, can uh, give to the host. Um, and to that point, though, uh, to John's point uh, as well, for prebiotics, it turns out that prebiotics are, are much more complex than what we originally thought, that uh, even for complex carbohydrates, where uh, many people think that it's just feeding one bacteria uh, over another, and that's how you're getting the competitive advantage, whereas it turns out that there's actually many mechanisms uh, to prebiotics, not just feeding, but uh uh, metabolites that are produced uh, can actually, uh, uh, from one bacteria, can enhance another bacteria. Uh, it can actually prevent uh, some bacteria from adhering to the, um, uh, the digestive tract, um, and that way providing a, a competitive advantage by removing one competitor and allowing another uh, good bacteria to grow in its place. Um, as well as actually clogging up um, sugar channels, so basically starving one bacteria over another. And so, yeah, it's it, exactly. It's actually very interesting how these prebiotics can actually function, where you think that it's one basic mechanism. It turns out that there's actually several different ones. And it looks like uh, there's uh, many non digestible food components that can actually do these types of things. Uh, complex uh, carbohydrates were the first ones out, and there is a lot of uh, research, and they, they are beneficial. Uh, Uh, Definitely. Uh, And different ones provide different types of benefits. Uh, But it turns out that uh, things like uh, kiwi lipids and uh, peptides and things like that uh, also can be uh, uh, prebiotics and they can also function in the same way. Um, And so that's uh, you'll see some research out there that's actually looking at those as well. And and that's where uh, bacteriophages also come into play.
1: Since it's such a complex system, have y'all seen any struggles in educating the end user on, uh, on this really complex ecosystem and the fact that they need... Uh, basically prebiotics and probiotics, and, you know, not every prebiotic is going to work for every probiotic. It just, it sounds like it's its difficult to find that perfect balance if you're uneducated on the topic. So I was just wondering if y'all have had any struggles in communicating that effectively to the end user so they know what they're actually looking for.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Daniel. I think because of the complexities of the topic, you know, the consumer wants um uh, pretty simple answer, typically. They want something that's easy to understand. And so, you know, there is a big education uh, challenge there to try to simplify this complex uh, scientific information and distill it down to nice crisp uh, bullet points that the consumer can digest, no pun intended there. But um, uh, I think one of the things that's driving the prebiotic uh, rise in popularity is really kind of more on the practical side. And that's just a recognition that probiotic organisms are typically not very stable. Uh, they're not very shelf stable. They're not very stable going through the stomach acid. They can, a lot of them can be killed off. Uh, they're not stable in, in applications in, in foods and a lot of supplement applications. They're subject to die off. Uh, and so prebiotics, on the other hand, are typically—you uh, know—they're not living organisms. They're some type of a, um, uh, a food source or a, a compound that's that's relatively stable in comparison to a living a bacterial organism, for example. And so it's much easier to manage uh, in in application prebiotic ingredients versus probiotic ingredients, and. As Dr. Deaton was saying, um, you know, the feeding of the prebiotics uh, has a profound effect on these relationships between these different bacteria and their competitive factors and gives advantages to ones who can metabolize that particular prebiotic, or in the case of of our phage technology, it actually can give an advantage of one over another by uh, perhaps providing a disadvantage to one for growth factors and competition. So there's two sides of the coin to look at there of how you provide an advantage of one over another. And uh, I think that you trying to educate the consumer about these things is the real challenge, but I think maybe it's in some respects easier for the consumer to understand uh, the concept of giving advantages in this war over which specific uh, warriors do you need to consume, uh, so to speak, with which probiotics do I take for what benefit? That's a very complex subjects and a lot more research has to be done to substantiate the claims that people want to associate with those various organisms. Yeah,
2: I I do believe that uh, to your point, uh, education, uh, and I think there needs to be, uh, and uh, we need to continue the education of both probiotics and prebiotics because um, I do believe in both areas there's still a lot of confusion for the end consumer because um, there are quite a few uh, probiotics and prebiotics and of course as we learn their mechanisms and, and what they do and everything like that it just makes it even a more complex uh, picture and so being able to break it down into simpler terms easier uh, ways to um, carry the message or convert the message from uh, the science over to what consumers can understand and, and uh, As John mentioned, uh, a lot of research is actually uh, going on now and and will continue to go on uh, in terms of uh, both um, models as well as, of course, uh, human clinicals uh, to help uh, understand those mechanisms. And then also, a lot more needs to be done on the... um, the educational side. Um, of course, uh, Deerland, we have our educational people uh, like John, uh, led by John, uh, that do that, that uh, convert it into layman's terms to be able to put it into ways and so for the consumer to uh, understand. But yes, I think that there's still a gap uh, that needs to be filled b- both for probiotics and prebiotics.
1: Now what about the market around prebiotics? Um uh, because you both have mentioned that probiotics were the ones that first came out of the gate, started to gain more mainstream traction, which means that, you know, more companies wanted to jump on the probiotics boat. Um but for prebiotics, how have you seen businesses approach selling and bringing prebiotics to market over the last you know, 30 plus years to now where we're at today? Uh, are you seeing companies have to decide if they want to go probiotic versus prebiotic solution? Are you seeing most of them adopt both and try to educate the market and, and sell uh, both products kind of as, as a conjoined solution? Uh, yeah. How are you seeing businesses react to prebiotics becoming more well-known uh, in the mainstream?
0: I think uh, it, it depends on the type of the business. You know, the, the probiotic uh, manufacturers and suppliers obviously are, are going to favor uh, more information and, and clinical data to support the efficacy of their particular organism or particular strain now. Uh, and the, the prebiotic manufacturers are typically going to focus in on their particular prebiotic ingredient and trying to establish. the the clinical evidence to support the efficacy of those types of ingredients. But the formulators, the people that are producing the supplements that are going to the consumers, we really have a tendency to to look at both sides of that equation and try to find the right balance between which organisms to use at what quantities to produce the, the health benefit and then which uh, prebiotics are are both practical and, and efficacious for those particular organisms or that particular dosage form. And one of the caveats there with prebiotics is most of them require rather large doses on a daily basis for efficacy. I'm talking about multiple gram quantities uh, and if you're putting this into a capsule, then obviously that's not very practical because you can't even put a gram into a capsule. So there's a there's a problem there. And if it's going into some other doses form like a stick pack or a, a powder form, it might be practical, but then there are downsides to that as well because some of the side effects of the prebiotics typically are gonna produce gas and bloating when they're taking an efficacious dose because the whole purpose is, for it to be fermented by the bacteria in the colon and you know the byproduct of fermentation is gas so a lot of consumers they shy away from taking an efficacious dose of a prebiotic because of the negative side effects that they may experience so you know, it's kind of a two-edged sword you can't you can't win either way there now dearly we've really developed some unique uh, prebiotic uh, ingredients with the a completely novel approach to the prebiotic concept. And that's with our pre 4 pro it's based on bacteriophage technology. And, uh, these bacteriophage, the advantages are that they're taken in a very small dose, only 15 milligrams per day is required for efficacy. And they don't then produce the negative side effects associated with the typical prebiotics because they're not being fermented, so the gas isn't being created. They're very selective in their host bacteria that they're going to have an impact and modulate the populations of. So that's a a real advantage. They're very specific there. Um, So in the time it takes for efficacy is, literally hours versus days, weeks, or months with your typical prebiotics. So there are huge advantages. We're very excited about this technology. It's really re- kind of revolutionized, I think the whole prebiotic space. And it, it it's really uh, the challenge again is to educate the consumer about this because it is so novel and everything else that they've known or heard about prebiotics is really kind of, hmm, maybe not applicable in this case, Right, it's a, it's a new concept. The prebiotic market, I think uh, the growth in that segment is really outpacing the, the growth of the probiotic side of the market. Uh, I think uh, the some of the statistics say that uh, it's gonna be somewhere in the 10% plus range uh, for the prebiotics. Uh, I don't have the statistics on the probiotic market in front of me right now, but it doesn't approach that. Uh, I think again, uh, the growth in the prebiotic market is really driven by a lot of practicality, a lot of research that's being done, and new prebiotic ingredients that are coming into the marketplace. Uh, the simplicity that we first started off with, with uh, just fructo oligosaccharides or inulin, now has really expanded to many other oligosaccharide type ingredients, as well as, uh, as Dr. Deaton said earlier uh, lipids, uh, proteins, peptides, uh, other, other ingredients that can fit the definition of a prebiotic because they actually selectively modulate the microbiota. And, uh, again, that's what our pre four pro does very efficiently and, and very precisely modulates the, the microbiota.
2: Yeah, with probiotics, uh, you had your your um, lactobacillus from your dairy uh, that started the trend, but then uh, you have now a, a huge host of lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, bacillus uh, probiotics, and so you see you saw that category expand. Um, uh, in many different directions, um, uh, saccharomyces as well, uh, and for probiotics. And you're seeing, and that happened when it was first introduced, and then, of course, those first couple years when it was really taking off. Uh, same thing uh, that's occurring right now with uh, prebiotics, as John mentioned. Uh, you're seeing a lot of different complex carbohydrates as well as polyphenols, bacteriophages, you're seeing a lot of different ones that come in uh, that, fun- that are prebiotics that function and enhance the growth of good bacteria over unwanted. And people are wanting those in those uh, in formulations. Um, rarely uh, is it just uh, uh, probiotic. I mean, first it was uh, one probiotic strain. Now it's many probiotic strains. And then from there, it's, uh, it's uh, high number uh, counts of CFUs of uh, probiotic strains. And now you're starting to see that uh, uh, into combinations with probiotics and other things. And one of the top things, of course, is probiotics is uh, with prebiotics. Uh, because it's such a synergistic effect. Um, uh, you can see you can see the enhancement. Um, in in clinicals, uh, with uh and Bifidobacterium strains when they're coupled with prebiotics, uh, you see the beneficial lactic acid production, things like that. Uh, that come from uh being able to couple uh prebiotics with probiotics. Uh, that ju- you just don't get uh,
0: with probiotics alone.
1: So as prebiotics has entered the mainstream a little more um, and companies like Deerland have had to market it to uh, you know your clients and your end users a little more fiercely, what have you learned from that evolution of having to basically brand prebiotics in the larger ecosystem of gut health? Um, and how have you learned from that change and really had to... Discern how health companies and products should sell to their end users and their clients?
0: Well, I think one thing we've seen is because of the novelty of our Pre 4 Pro prebiotic ingredient, uh, it's, it's been rather disruptive to the status quo in the marketplace with basically non digestible oligosaccharides or complex carbohydrates predominating. And uh, we've even had some factions in the industry who are the purveyors of those types of ingredients to try to make attempts to even change the definition of what a prebiotic is to exclude uh, things like bacteriophage uh, because (laughs) it is disruptive to the marketplace and it has some distinct advantages that uh, they can't replicate with those types of ingredients. So we've had some uh, challenges with that. And again, I think consumer education is going to be the key. Um, You know, I I like, I tend to try to keep things simple for the consumer as much as possible. And I think it's well known that the single uh, biggest influencer of your microbiome or, or the microbiota in your gut is your diet. Right, And so that makes sense then for, for prebiotics that, uh, they're going to be, uh, contained in the, in the diet or in the food that you consume. And, and you know, the very definition is a, a non-digestible component of food, you know, that selectively, um, uh, you, it gets advantage to one organism over another, which modulates the microbiota. And, and so, um, yeah, I think you have to be a little bit more open-minded about all the different components of food beyond just uh, fibers or uh, oligosaccharides that don't get digested by the human system and end up being food for the bacteria. What other things can modulate the microbiota that are in your food supply? And bacteriophages are ubiquitous in the environment. And uh, obviously uh, we're consuming them every day. So they, they definitely fit all the definitions of a prebiotic. Um, So I think it's sort of the self-serving for some of those to try to change the definition to exclude the competitors that are entering the marketplace.
2: Again, you're seeing it uh, in terms of uh, probiotic, prebiotic uh, conferences or the microbiome conferences. Uh, You're seeing a a large shift in focus uh, to um, more research uh, and uh, broader looking at different ones. To John's point, uh, we we have uh, had to adjust to uh, uh, some competitors uh, wanting to Figure out barriers or try to exclude us by uh, changing definitions, but uh, uh, we found that uh, a large um, that uh, the scientists, the people that are really uh, looking for the uh, the benefits uh of uh, prebiotics have been very receptive uh, to what we've uh, created, as well as uh, of course the other uh, prebiotics outside the complex carbohydrates that are being. Uh, created and and provided uh, for the uh, market as well. Um, so there's definitely a need uh, for prebiotics, and uh, the research is actually showing uh, that there's more out there than we actually thought, and they can be very beneficial. And uh, if you take out the uh, competitive side uh, uh, for, in terms of trying to sell stuff, on the science side, uh, you're getting a strong push to continue to develop those. And so uh, we're excited to be part of that, uh, both on the prebiotics and the, uh, and the probiotic side.
1: Yeah, I mean it must be pretty special to be one of the leaders in this industry, and since both of you have spent, um, you know, such a deep portion of your career uh, working to develop these solutions, now that they're finally entering the mainstream at, at a level where you know your your common consumer is talking about gut health and is looking to. You know, even adjust their diet to better promote their gut health, and you know how can prebiotics and probiotics assist with that? Um, it must feel pretty good to be to be at the forefront of that conversation and to be one of the uh, one of the providers of these products.
0: Uh, definitely, it's very gratifying to see uh, you know to be involved with uh, innovative new uh, ingredients and product concepts that are more efficacious and that are um more clinically studied to substantiate those claims you know uh, i i can think back to the beginning of my career you know over 35 years ago and uh, there wasn't a lot of science it was the wild west in the supplement industry uh you know if you could come up with a good story uh, you could sell product we at Deerland definitely are very focused on the science of our ingredients and, and of our products uh, we continue to make investments in deepening that science and to expand uh, claims and uh, substantiated claims and so I think the whole marketplace is being driven in that direction fortunately we made that decision strategically years ago uh, to make those investments so that's given us uh, somewhat of an advantage in the marketplace now because uh, we got a head start on some of the competition that's decided all of a sudden that maybe we should do more science uh, but I think that's just instilled in in our DNA here at, at Deerland to to be a science-based innovation company and uh, to help us deliver these efficacious products uh, to the consumer.
2: Yeah, it it is uh, it's very gratifying to uh, you put a lot of hard work in in creating these things, and of course you're doing it uh, to uh, provide a uh, hopefully uh, to help improve somebody's life and. It's been really uh, awesome, gratifying uh, to get some of the feedback that we've gotten from uh, uh, the customers, the end consumers uh, that are are using these products, and it's it's just uh, for probiotics and prebiotics. And John has a great uh, uh, example of that um, that he if he has a few seconds to share uh, in terms of the feedback with um, uh, consumers that are calling uh, because they are able to see. Uh, on the label pre four pro and, and uh our D one eleven things like that. And uh when they can't find the product, mm-hmm. uh they've gotten nervous and actually even reached back out to us mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. uh we're B2B. Uh we have consumers that are recognizing our branded technologies and and looking for them. And um and John has a great example of that for pre four pro.
0: I, I could just relate a brief uh encounter I had with a retail customer that contacted us because as Dr. Deaton said, she saw our ingredients and the trademarks on the label of the particular product. She couldn't find that product any longer. She called me and she explained to me how this product literally changed her life. She had so many uh, intestinal digestive uh, issues that this product really helped her Uh, to improve those situations. And she was really desperate to find it. I was able to contact one of our customers who were using the ingredients. They contacted her and she was able to get the product again. And so she was very grateful and it's it's very gratifying and fulfilling because you don't typically hear these things when you're in the manufacturing world in the business to business world. Uh, It's rare that you really get the feedback directly from the consumer. And uh, it it was really quite a story.
1: Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure hearing that from the people that feel the health benefits day to day uh, must be one of the key motivators to keep innovating and keep finding new ways to develop better products, but also to market it to the mainstream so that they understand the impact of gut health and how that plays into your diet and how that plays into your overall ability to just live a healthy, happy life. So you know at at the end of the day it really is motivated by that consumer happiness i think um not to sound cliche but i i really do think for products like these um there's a science behind it but there's also an art to it you know of of getting people invested in their health
0: yeah that's right it and it's easy to lose sight of the the impact on the individual consumer and their quality of life and and so when you do hear stories like this and you, you see examples and you know that you had a part in that, that it only makes you proud, it really it kind of makes you humble, you know, that we really had an impact on someone's life. Exactly.
1: Well, John Davidson, John Deaton, I'd like to thank you both for joining us on the podcast and giving us this breakdown of prebiotics versus probiotics how they interact in that same health ecosystem what the market is looking like how consumer behavior around prebiotics has changed and really why it's so important to be putting an emphasis on products like these in our ever-increasing health market where you know consumers are just little more aware of what's going into their body and what helps them live a healthier life so john davidson john deaton thank you both for joining us it really was a pleasure getting to break this down with you thank you daniel you have a good day
2: thank you very much
1: (laughs) and thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast and if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous ones you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts articles and video content from your favorite industries And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.